Hey there, my friend, and welcome to Magnetic Mindset with your host, Alyssa Simpson. That's me. I'm a mindset and manifestation coach empowering women to burn the rule book by handing them the pen to write their own. I am a wife, a fur mama, native Texan, and your new unorthodox, free-spirited best friend. And I cannot even start to tell you how excited I am that you're here today. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to magnetize your mindset. Hi, welcome back. It's so good to have you guys here. Now, as we are approaching the end of the year, I realized now I started this podcast on March 1st of 2023, and I realized. Yeah, there's an introduction episode, but I've never really talked about my story with you guys. I think I've dropped like tidbits here and there. So I just decided, you know what? We're going to do an episode that's about me (laughs) telling you all, you know, a little bit of my story to kind of get you some more perspective on who I am and, you know, how I got to where I am. So... I am 30 years old. I was born in 1993. (laughs) That's not how we're doing this, guys. Okay, but in all seriousness, when I look back on my life, like there's so many really profound moments that I would love to share, but then there's also some really not so profound moments that kind of make me want to crawl into a shell and and die, to be quite honest. (laughs) There's a lot of like, oh my God, Alyssa, I can't believe you did that. And there's a lot of, holy shit, you're so lucky to be alive. Like, I can't believe you survived that. Um, And then there's a lot of things that, quite honestly, I don't think I can say on the podcast because I'll, it'll get me put on some kind of fucking list. So <laughs> we're going to keep those things out. Um, If you're curious, you know where to find me. I'd be more than happy to tell these stories to people in person without being recorded <laughs> or having this used against me. Um, but but in in the realm of how is this relevant to who I am today, I think that that is the thing that I want to kind of shine some light on, just because I think that that is m- the more important side of me and who I am and this podcast and my business and my impact that I'm creating on the world. So we're going to start there. Now, as I've mentioned more than once here on the podcast, I was a restaurant manager for a corporate restaurant chain for five years. I was with that company for eight years. Um, I got promoted to be a manager when I was just 21 years old, which was a big freaking deal because a lot of the directors, they didn't hire young people. They were very, I don't want to say very against it, but they had been burned quite a bit by hiring people whenever they turned 21. And then, you know, 21 year olds or 21 year olds, majority of them aren't really that focused on their position as a manager. Right. But I've always been really mature for my age. I have a very old soul and I I take responsibility seriously. I want to do a good job for others. I I want to make sure that people see value in me. Um, and that was very heavy on me back then. Just because I always, again, I, I had this sense of I've got to do something to take care of myself. Because I I know that I won't always be taken care of 
by my parents. And it's so weird that like I even had those thoughts at a young age. Like I just knew, I just knew in my heart that I was going to lose my parents at a young age. And I lost both of them when I was 25. So it was just always this like, and you know, you can call it an irrational fear. You can call it intuition. You can call it whatever, but I just, I just knew, um, that they weren't going to be around forever. And I also just had this sense of wanting independence. And as I worked for this company as just a team member, as a server, as a to-go specialist, as a bartender, um, helping train other people, like all these things, I was like, I can really see myself being safe within this company. I think this is something that I should do. So I worked my way up, you know, I got the opportunity to be interviewed for a manager position. And at the time they were opening a position for Lawton, Oklahoma, which I've never been there. I'm not really a huge fan of Oklahoma just because of all the tornadoes and stuff. So I was like, fuck, I mean, if that's my only opportunity to get to be a manager, then fuck yeah, let's do it, you know? So I applied for that position. Um, the HR hiring person realized, I guess, just within talking to me, she was like, you need to stay in, in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> so we're going to keep you in the DFW area. And the DFW area, for those of you who don't know, is Dallas-Fort Worth, and it is the Metroplex um, between Dallas and Fort Worth. So places like Duncanville, Cedar Hill, Arlington, all of those cities are in the DFW Metroplex. And at the time, I lived in Mansfield with Josh and three of our roommates slash best friends. And, you know, we, we were all at that point too, Josh and I and our friends, like we're all gonna have to like not live together, right? Like we're all gonna have to kind of move our separate ways. And we did. And so in that whole transition, it was like, you know, I told Josh, well, if, if we go to Oklahoma, like I, I want you to come with me obviously. And he was down for whatever he was like, well, at the time he was working for the same company. So he was like, I can just find another restaurant out there and work at that location while you manage the one in Lawton or whatever. So that was our, you know, our game plan. And whenever the HR lady told me, you know, no, we're going to keep you in Dallas. I was ecstatic. I was so happy. I was like, oh my God, thank you. <laughs> like, I'm so happy I get to stay in Texas and be around highways that I know and roads and roads that I know and my family and my friends and all these places that I'm familiar with. I got to, you know, stay and be a part of it. And Josh and I, we were on the hunt, right? Like, okay, we're going to be living in Dallas, but let's be somewhere neutral because the opportunity for me to pop around to different restaurants was very alive and well. There are tons of these restaurants in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And if I were to get, you know, stay in Dallas, that'd be cool. But there were opportunities for me to maybe go to Fort Worth or to go to Grapevine or to go to Louisville or all these other cities that were around Dallas, but not necessarily in Dallas. So we thought that Arlington would be a mutual city. And Josh and I moved into a duplex a roach infested duplex might I add you we were there for a year and honestly living there like thinking about living there feels like a fucking fever dream because I don't remember a lot of our year there to be totally honest like the things that I do remember are very 
like my new, like I remember Vinny, our cat, he got his tail smashed in the window there. So now that's why his tail's crooked. So every time I pet his tail, I'm like, oh my God, that happened at our Long Ridge house. <laughs> and we name our houses by like the street they were on. Um, so that's the Long Ridge house. And um, yeah, like my dad, while we were living in that house, his health started to decline. Like he helped us move in. Maybe he didn't see, I don't remember. I don't remember guys. So just kind of bear with me here. Um, he did, I don't know if he helped us like physically move stuff into that duplex, but he did show up. He was driving and to bring, he brought something to us or pick something up from us. I can't remember. And it was during the day and he got outside of his car and pissed <laughs> just daylight, just pissing. And one of our neighbors like told me later on, she was like, was that, who was that old man? outside of my yard pissing and I was like oh I'm sorry that was my dad she was like oh my god I, I yelled at him I told him he couldn't just whip his dick out anywhere and I was like I know I'm so sorry that's my dad <laughs> um so yeah he made a he made a really great impression for us whenever we lived there which was awesome <laughs> um but yeah that place was super gross um yeah mold like on the ceilings we had roaches everywhere and it was kind of in the yard. Oh, I feel so bad for Duke, our dog. The yard was literally like the size of, it was probably like 10 feet by 10 feet, just this little patch of grass. And Duke is a Great Dane lab mix. So like having him live in that tiny, you know, little space really sucked for him. And ugh, I feel bad every time I think about that because it's just, we really didn't have another option. Like we had to move quick. Like our lease was ending with all of our roommates. I was starting to train as a manager for this restaurant and we just had to like get our shit together and it was not our only option but the one that made the most sense even though like it was disgusting so honestly like as soon as we moved in to that place like we were there for not very long um but it really started my wheels turning of okay we need to buy a house like, I can't, I don't want to live here forever. I will do the year because that's the lease that we signed, but we got to get the hell out of here. So then, you know, at that point, uh, I was 23, just turned 23 whenever I bought our first house. All this kind of runs together, you guys. This is probably why I don't necessarily tell my story because just so many things like run together and it just all... <laughs> it forms into this big mess and I couldn't tell you dates and times and ages and all this stuff. So we're just going to roll with it. But as I, before, yeah. So living there really is what it was like, all right, I got to get the fuck out of here. I got to buy a house. And I just, the only, this was like my very first experience with an actual landlord because the landlord that we had with all of our friends, we all lived together. I technically wasn't on the lease. So I never had to deal with the landlord stuff. Um, I just paid my part of the rent to one of my roommates and the bills and that was it you know what I mean um but so this is the first time I dealt with a landlord and I did not like it I was like this is such shit this guy isn't helping us with anything we've told him that there's roaches we've told him that there's flooding we've told him that there's mold and like nothing's been done we're basically told to deal with it on our own um which sucked <laughs> so just had, knowing that in my head I was like we gotta get the fuck out of here like there's I don't want to do this. This is not for me. This is not something I want to be doing. I know this is probably horrible for my fucking health. And like I said, I don't remember a lot of living there. And it's so crazy. Like I remember maybe like 10 things. Like I can tell you 10 different stories 
about living there, but that's it. After a whole year, like I don't remember hardly anything. But I'm, you know, managing a restaurant and uh oh yeah, okay, so that's what this is what I was gonna say. While we were living there, that's when my dad's health started to decline. Um so before was I even a manager then? See, I don't know. But before my dad got sick and was living in an in and out of nursing homes for like four years, three years, five years, I don't really know. Um, he got hit by a car. Like he went to go see my grandma at her assisted living facility. And as he was walking to the door, this lady was parked like underneath that little foyer. She was parked there picking up, I guess, her mom or something. And my dad was walking across them and she hit him and he broke all of his ribs. He had brain bleeding. He punctured his lungs. Like he was in ICU for like weeks. I don't even know how long he was in that hospital. Like it was just all such a blur, but he, it was like a severely traumatic accident. Um, and that's all kind of what started, not really, but it, it definitely pumped the, the gas on his end of life situation, I guess. Um, so I don't even, that happened like two months after Josh and I had just started dating. So <laughs> we just started dating and then, yeah, we started dating in October of 2014. And then in December, my dad gets hit by this car and it was like, yeah, such a wild fucking thing. I just remember we were actually helping one of our friends move and my phone was in the car and my mom didn't have Josh's phone number, but she had my best friend's phone number. So she called my best friend and my best friend called Josh. And he told me the first thing she said to him was like, don't let Alyssa freak out. But, and then like told him that my dad got hit by a car and he was all the way in Plano and we were in Mansfield. So that was like over an hour drive to get there. Um, but yeah, I just remember, I just remember like being on the front porch of my friend's house that we we're moving around of. And then Josh is coming up to me and he was like, everything's okay but and that's all I remember like I don't remember what he told me I don't remember how I reacted I just remember the next thing I know we're picking my mom up and she's walking out of the door smoking a joint freaking out she's like I just gotta calm my nerves and then she gets in the car and we take her to Plano and at that point he hasn't been like stabilized, I guess would be the word. And I'm like yelling at the front desk lady. I'm like, I need to see my fucking dad. Like, let me see my fucking dad. Cause I just needed to like have eyes on him. Like what's the severity, what's going on? And finally she let me and he was on this gurney thing covered in blood. Like it was the scariest thing I've ever seen. Um, and then, yeah, he spent so much time in that hospital. But while we were living at the Long Ridge house, he, and that's a whole nother story. Like the whole story of him being in that hospital and then what happened after that is fucking wild. Um, but he gets out essentially and he doesn't really have like his memories fucked. Like he thinks that he's living in Virginia. He doesn't really know who my mom is. Like, it's just, it's a really crazy thing. Um, but he started drinking really heavily whenever he came home and he had been sober for a few years um because he because of his health like he had liver cirrhosis got diagnosed with it and he was like all right well then I'm done drinking you know and while we were in the Long Ridge house he 
they were at the hospital for something him and my mom and I think it was because my mom was sick and so he was there with her but he was drunk and um or withdrawing from alcohol I don't really know and the nurses were calling me like hey you need to come and get your dad like he's here in the room with her and he's like peeing on himself and he's eating the food that we're bringing for her and he's just a mess and he's being like a little aggressive with the nurses and like kind of raising his voice at us and I was like dude that's not my dad like I don't know what like can you please like can you admit him to the emergency room because I don't know what the fuck to do like <laughs> I can't come up there I'm working like I can't do anything can y'all please admit him and they're like no we can't admit anyone underneath if it's not like their free will I'm like okay well I'm his daughter and I'm telling you right now like if there's an issue I can't do anything so can you please can you do something so they I think and again sorry this isn't 100% correct this is just like kind of what I remember um they called the police and he got taken to a Dallas jail what I know so fucking crazy um like while he's obviously like not okay you know what I mean he's obviously not himself at all by any means even the nurses are like he's not making any sense okay well then he's probably f like can you check him in whatever I mean if someone called the cops on him the cops would take him to the hospital so it's like you he's already at the hospital why can't you just let him you know um but anyways they arrested him and they didn't ever book him in I don't think because he was like slamming his head on the wall in wherever the fuck they had him so fucking crazy um and that's when they're like all right well, let's take him to the hospital so then he's in a hospital in Dallas my mom's in you know Waxahachie which that's like a good hour from each other and they're testing him for mad cow disease they're testing him for like all of these wild fucking things because they're like we don't know what's wrong with him like we have no idea all of his scans are coming back looking okay, but there's obviously something wrong. And then he goes to fucking mental hospitals and all of this wild, crazy stuff. And that's like the bulk of what I remember living in the Long Ridge house is having to deal with all of that stuff. And maybe that's why it's a fever dream that I don't remember a lot of that because our brain does a really good job of protecting us from like traumatic things. Um, so I know that's why I don't remember it. <laughs> the, I, I know that's exactly why. Um, but when we moved to our house that I bought we're still in Arlington at this time and I'm still working in Dallas and um the house that we moved into you know it's our first house it's so cute and we loved it so much and while I was there my oh, everything just runs together my dad, he was out of all of the hospitals and stuff. He wasn't in a nursing home yet because I remember him and my mom coming over to see the house and him and Josh put together this like patio furniture that was like our home, our housewarming gift. Um, yeah, so I don't know. But anyways, while I'm working as a restaurant manager, I really did love my job and I really wanted like everyone <laughs> to work for this company and to work as a manager and like I was just obsessed you know I really did love it so much now the area of Dallas that I worked in was not the best so like whenever I would close I would have to whenever the sun went down I'd move my car to the front of the restaurant because it was just fucking sketchy like walking in the parking lot in a bad part of town and driving home with you know other people on the road who are probably leaving a bar and they're drunk or whatever and 
yeah, it was, it wasn't the best option. <laughs> Looking back, I'm like, why would they allow a young 20 something woman to manage this restaurant, like this location? It was, I don't know. So fucking crazy. Um, we had so many freaking break-ins that our director, like he would ask me anytime we'd have a break-in, he'd be like, all right, Alyssa, so what are we going to do to fix this? I'm like, I don't fucking know hire someone to sit out front with a shotgun like I have no fucking idea <laughs> what I don't get paid to think about that I get paid to make sure that we're hitting our fucking marks and making sure that the restaurant runs smoothly not to worry about who's breaking in and how to stop <laughs> but while we're there while I'm working there um I get the opportunity to open up a brand new location that is like only 30 minutes away from my house instead of like an hour which if you've ever driven in Dallas traffic you know exactly why just that alone is so exciting getting the fuck out of downtown Dallas is was such a blessing and I'm so thankful for that um but opening up the new restaurant was so much fun I got to see like the entire process we got to like go into the building as it was being built we got to watch them like put in all of our kitchen equipment and like set up all of the like brand new stuff right it was such a cool thing and the restaurant that I worked at before their their GM before I worked there he was kind of a loosey-goosey kind of guy and I was very much so like I want structure and I want these employees to really make sure that they're like dedicated to this um to this job you know like it's important that you show up for your fucking shifts and it's important that you give us 100% while you're here <laughs> um but he he wasn't like that like he hired people who had not the best track records he would allow them to just straight up no call no show for their shifts um so the what's it called the community not the community the standards i don't know whatever the vibe was of that place while he was a gm really sucked and it kind of just carried on because there were people that had been there for 30 years you know what i mean and there was people that you know their kids worked there and they've just moved to all these positions and they've really like you know been there forever so it was hard to get them to follow like new rules and new standards when they were allowed to kind of like fuck around <laughs> for so many years so it was really cool to get to open up a new restaurant and kind of be like all right we're we're this management team is going to be the one to set the standards and set like the what we're allowing what we're not allowing and things like that and i had such a great time would i ever do it again Yes, if I had to go back in time and it was like you have to relive everything over again, I would. I totally would because it made me who I am today. And so much of my style of coaching comes from how I was as a manager. Like I was the one, like I was very tough love with everyone. I was very like, hey, the reason you're having a shit day is because you have a shit attitude. <laughs> like I was very much so that person. I had a really great relationship with all of my team members well, I wouldn't say all of them. There were always a few of people that would slip in through the cracks. And I'm like, how the fuck did you get a job here? <laughs> like you, you aren't cut out for this. But anyways, <laughs> um, yeah. And it was just a really cool experience. And when my dad passed away, so he passed away in 2000 and, oh, I don't even know, 18? Yeah, he passed away in yeah, October of 2018. Then my mom passed away in May of 2019. Um, and 
after my mom passed away, I was already feeling like, okay, life is too fucking short. Like, I don't know if I can work in this environment anymore. I don't know if I can be here with these people every day and like, just act like life isn't happening. You know what I mean? I was 25 and I was like, oh fuck. Like I'm definitely experiencing all of the pains of having to grieve and having to just figure myself out as a young adult and in a new restaurant. And you know, it was fucking, it was wild. Like it really was wild. Um, then in February of 2020, my father-in-law passed away. And that's when I was really like, all right, enough is enough. Like this is like, something's got to give. And before that happened in November of 2019, I told Josh, I was like, Hey, I have this opportunity to start working for myself. What do you think? He's like, Hey, I think, I think it's cool. Like do what you got to do. You know, I'll support you in whatever you do. And honestly, having a partner who has that kind of mentality and who is down for whatever and who will support you in whatever venture you do makes such a big difference. So I'm I'm always so grateful and thankful for that. And there are often times that I do meet women and have clients who are who just don't have that kind of support. And it really does break my heart that that's something that they don't have. But then there's also the silver lining of, well, you have that in other areas though. You know what I mean? Like you have friends, you have family, you have peers who will support you. It doesn't always have to be your partner, but it does, it, it is really nice to have a partner who, who supports that. Um, but anyways, I'm getting off on a whole nother tangent here. <laughs> um, so in, yeah, that was in November and it was essentially an affiliate marketing business. Um, but it, the business was great. I didn't even know the business existed. I just really wanted this product and it was a Kangen machine and it's a medical grade water ionizer. And I had wanted one forever. And then finally I was like, fuck it, I'm going to buy one. Um, and then I found out there was like a whole business model behind it. Like how fucking cool to where I could, you know, sell these machines, work from home, never have to fucking be in the restaurant. So I told myself that I'm giving myself six months to quit this restaurant job, to leave and to go all in on this business. No matter where I'm at in this business, I'm giving myself six months and in six months I'm out. Because if I wouldn't have given myself a hard out, if I would have waited until like, until I do this, until I make this much money, until I've had, I've had this many sales, it never would have happened. Um, and then, yeah, so that was in November of 2019. February of 2020, my father-in-law passes away and I was like, oh, that's a huge, like, okay, I hear you. I hear you loud and clear universe. Like <laughs> I really got to get the fuck out of here. Like not that I was associating my job with death, but it was very much so like there is more to life than this place. And while my father-in-law was, he essentially got put on hospice and while he was on hospice, I still had scheduled shifts and I went to work and I was, you know, a fucking mess because I hated being there. I'm like, I don't need to be here. Like I need to be with Josh. Like why the fuck am I here? And my general manager at the time, he told me, he was like, well, if my wife's dad was in the hospital dying, she wouldn't want me to be with her. She would know that I have responsibilities and I have to take care of it. And that was like the fucking straw that broke 
the back. I was like, you know what? Fuck, fuck this. Um, I'm here. I'm going to count the order for the truck because at the time I was a kitchen manager. So I had to like be in charge of our inventory and ordering and everything. So I went, I counted the truck and then I fucking left. And then like that next day, uh, my father-in-law passed away and I didn't, yeah, obviously I didn't come into work then, but it was just such a like, no, that's not fucking true because and if you, if your wife really does think that, if your wife really is like, no, you have responsibilities, don't be with me while my father's dying in a hospital, then you got bigger issues, bro. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So then that was February and I gave my notice, I think in April, I don't know. I stayed through Mother's Day because that's like one of the biggest days of the year and we were operating during a fucking pandemic where we weren't allowed to have anyone in the restaurant. We were doing all of it in to-go's and holy shit, you guys, we did more in to-go sales that Mother's Day during the pandemic than we had done in any previous year and we were operating all of it in a to-go setting. If you've never worked in a restaurant, I don't know that you understand this, but that's a big fucking deal. Like that really tested everyone's limits for a lot of people, but especially like when you're like, you don't have the capacity to do that amount of sales and to produce that amount of food and to hold that amount of to-go shit, like silverware, plates, bowls. Like it was fucking crazy. And I still like can't believe we pulled that off <laughs> like without any major huge things happening horribly wrong. Um, but yeah, whenever I gave my notice, it was kind of like a, all right, do what you got to do. And I was a fucking blubbering mess because I felt so bad. I felt like I was letting so many people down, but at the same time, like I knew I had to stick to my guns. Like I couldn't let me feeling bad about what other people were thinking about me hold me back. Like I had to just fucking do it. And let me just tell you all that when you make, I had every, I had every reason to stay, right? The pandemic happened and people were like, how the fuck are we going to pay our bills? How the fuck are we going to keep living? And I was so dead set on making something else of my life, regardless that there was a fucking pandemic happening. You guys, I don't know, like just now thinking about it makes me like, I'm, I have goosebumps because I really did like go all in on my dream, which was to fucking live for a living. You know what I mean? And when I quit, I was able to take out my 401k without getting taxed on it. And that is what essentially allowed me to live for the rest of that year. I didn't, I used that money to pay bills because my Kong and water business hadn't taken off yet. I had made a few sales, but it wasn't anything to be like sustainable in any means. Um, and within that process, it was like a, and I'll do a whole episode on what my experiences was like being in that affiliate marketing program, because I do believe in the machine. I do. I still have my machine. I'm obsessed with it. And anyone who asks me like, what is that? I go like so fucking weird and nerdy about it. I'm like, oh my God, you have to have this in your life. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> um, but the, the lifestyle that was being showed and promoted wasn't really at all what I wanted. And I was like chasing that someone else's example of success and like really my own. So the entire time I was with like actively in the business, 
I was just, you know, thinking that these people's lives and dreams that they were living was like what I wanted when it really wasn't, you know? Um, but whenever I quit, yeah, it was, it was a huge fucking thing. And I wasn't met with anything nice. Like my general manager, him and I were really good friends and I even went to his wedding and we just had like a really great relationship. And whenever I left, like he was talking a lot of crap about me and saying that I'm irresponsible and that I don't know what I'm doing and that I'm, I'm acting on emotions and not, you know, logic, which <laughs> if y'all know me, like, yeah, logic is cool and all, but it's not how I operate at all. I go with feeling and I go with my gut and I go with intuition and I did that. And looking back, it's been what, three, only, only three years, you guys, since I've done that. And since then I have bought my dream home. I have built my coaching business from literally nothing. I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. I had no idea how to operate a business on my own. Whenever I left the affiliate marketing thing, like that was the only like restaurants and that were the only thing that I knew. I had no idea how to be an entrepreneur. I had no idea how the fuck to, to, to coach clients or how to help people. But I knew that's what I wanted to do because I'm a natural, like I'm a natural at it. Like it really is just like second nature to me. I didn't know how to turn that into a business. I didn't know that I was even allowed to turn coaching into a business because it is so natural to me. And it is something that I've done when I was working in the restaurant industry, like with my friends, with my family, like all these people, like I'm just such a natural coach and a natural like problem solver and a natural like into the metaphysical world and the spiritual world. Like it all comes so natural to me. Like I didn't even think that I could turn it into a business, but I fucking did. I fucking did. Like that is so, so cool. I started a podcast. I had no fucking idea what I was doing. I just like, if you've heard the first episode, Josh bought a microphone on like a Black Friday deal just to buy it. He got a really good deal for it. And he was with the intention of like, I'll just resell this and make more money off of it. And I told him one night, I was like, I think I want to start a podcast in 2023. And he was like, that's fucking weird because I bought a microphone. So that's another, <laughs> like the universe was like, all right, bitch, here you go. <laughs> Let's fucking do it. You know what you're doing, but you're going to figure it out. And I did. And a lot of my story, like, of course, like there's, there's sad, there's death, there's grief, there's learning how to be a human again after experiencing so much shit. But here I am just, this was just three years ago, you guys. This isn't even like, and it feels like a totally different lifetime. Like I have changed so much as a person that the people who knew me, Bef like if they haven't been along for the ride with me up until now, they won't, they have no idea who the fuck I am. They would meet me and be like, this is not you because I've evolved and I've grown and I've changed so much. And I never let fear stop me. I never let the shitty things that happened to me stop me because my dream and my vision and my goal of being better, doing better, living better weighed so much more than any of the bad shit ever could. And this is just, it's important for y'all to know this and to hear this because no matter what you're going through, no matter what it is, you are so resilient and you have the power to completely transform your life. You have the power to rise up when everything else on paper looks like it's going to fucking crumble. It's a belief. It's a thought. It's an action. But it's fucking doable. <laughs> I promise you, I am living proof that you can stack a bunch of horrible fucking shit up against me and it's not going to stop me. 
and it's not going to stop you either. You have the power. You hold the power. You are the creator, the director, the writer of your life. And it's time that you start acting like it because the longer that you sit in stagnant fucking energy and the longer you sit playing victimhood and woe is me and everything is happening to me. No, everything is happening for you. Everything is a lesson. Everything is something to grow you and evolve you and empower you. And don't forget, like you chose this life. You chose everything that you're experiencing. And maybe you believe that, maybe you don't, but I choose to believe that. To me, that's a lot more empowering than thinking that there's someone just fucking with me. <laughs> to me, it's more empowering to think like I I chose this and I'm making not the best of it. I'm fucking blowing the shit out of the water. <laughs> like I'm making stories of this. I'm making so many great things of this. And you have the power to do so too. And if you're sitting here listening to this, feeling empowered, which I hope you fucking are, I want you to tell me your story. I want to hear what it is that has maybe kept you from achieving the things that you want to achieve. I want to hear where there have been times that you have overcome adversity and really made life worth living again, because it is, it fucking is no matter what is going on, no matter what has happened, life is fucking beautiful and you are so goddamn lucky to get to experience it. And I hope you know that. And I'm here for you. I am cheering you on. I would love the opportunity to hear your story and to get to know more of you and what makes you you, because I think that's what makes us all so special and so unique. And yeah, thanks for sticking around till the end of this. <laughs> now, this isn't all of my story, right? Like I still have fucking so many years that I completely skipped past and talked over and didn't even mention. But this was kind of just off of the the dome. I was like, all right, what what do my people need to hear from my story? It's going to empower the fuck out of them. And this is just such a great one that I wanted to share. And I love you and I will see you next week. Bye. Thank you for tuning in today. Your support is so appreciated and I would love to hear your feedback on this episode. Make sure to leave a review and when you screenshot this and share it with your friends that you're tagging me on Instagram at underscore Alyssa Simpson X. I'll see you next week. Bye.